Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel TV episodes as they are released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Welcome to Living Loki, our official Loki After Show podcast. I am Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief of the Boardwalk Times. Today, we got two guests on the pod. Joining me today, we have Muska Alomi, a colonist at Boardwalk Times. Welcome back, Muska. Hi. And then joining us today and returning to the pod is Savannah Sanders of The Direct. Savannah, welcome back. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be back. It's great to have you both here because... We're going to be breaking down the season two premiere of Loki, and it was a pretty big episode. A lot went down, but before we dive into Loki, I just want everyone who's listening to know about Boardwalk Store, our latest venture from Boardwalk Times. Our store has some fun and unique designs from all your favorite fandoms, Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, and other fandoms as well. We're also constantly adding new designs and products. And if you're listening to this pod right now, here's a little bit of an exclusive. We will have a Loki design coming soon to Boardwalk Store. So go explore the greatest merch in the multiverse at boardwalktimes.store. Now, on to Loki. Uh, let's just kick it off with our star ratings. So it's like, to me, star ratings is just, you know, similar to Letterbox, like one through five, half stars count. And to me, I'll just say it right off the back. I feel like this premiere was four stars for me, like not quite a five star, but just four stars. I would agree. I think four stars is the same for me. I think I really enjoyed it. But yeah, it wasn't like the most amazing premiere I've ever seen before. Yeah. I would give it, I'm going to go four and a half only because I think my, I had really tempered my expectations quite a bit going in. I had seen some mixed reviews, maybe a little bit nervous. So I think that my surprise at how well executed it was is going to make you kind of give it another half star there. That's uh, totally fair. And because I, I came into it with like tempered expectations because, you know, just after Secret Invasion, I was kind of like just not you know, expecting any sort of Marvel show to hit just because I was so let down after Secret Invasion. And obviously it's like a totally different creative team and stuff, but, you know, it was just hard to kind of put those things aside. But really this episode just took place right after the season one finale. You know, it's like Loki slipping through time, the TVA's in chaos and, you know, Sylvie and Miss Minutes are absent, but like, both of you watched this episode. What were like some of the things that really stood out for you? I have to say OB, which I knew ahead of time he was going to be fantastic. Um, but just how much he was in it, uh, that really surprised me. And I, I just continuously got more interested in the character. Um, that in getting to see so much more of the TVA. Also a big surprise. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, I think. For me, I really enjoyed seeing the play on time because I feel like as of recently, <laughs> I've been really enjoying when people, uh, especially in media and in books, play with the aspect of time in the sense of like, not just fantasy, but in the conversations as well. And I think that's what was happening. Like Morbius kept being like, we need more time. <laughs> And obviously it's a little on the nose, but I think it really worked in its favor considering 
the whole concept is time. But yeah, I, I did like those little hints and some of them very, very blatant. But I think that was my favorite part. I I agree with both of you on that. I thought Kihu Kwan as OB was a standout. I'm I was raving about the TVA production design. That was like one of my biggest things that I was like, oh wow, this really felt because I think the biggest criticism of Marvel um stories right now have been the visuals and the production design. Nothing, you know, Guardians obviously felt lived in, but there's been some titles like I would say like Secret Invasion and Quantumania where you're like, oh, this is very volume or very bland, where the TVA doesn't feel that at all. And then like Moose Gun, you're a point with how they played with like the time aspect. I also liked how um, Mobius and Loki, when they were talking about who he who remains, like they kept on just making puns about stuff. I forget the specific quote from Loki, but Loki had such a great quote where he's like, but he can back it up. And Mobius is like, that's so cocky to call yourself like last man standing. Like it was just so good to have that banter. And it, it was just, it was just to me, it was a very solid episode. It, it just feels like there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. I will say one more thing. I also really liked how it was almost shot as a horror like episode because and i'd say this yeah. mostly because of the score it was really building in the background and we had like even like loki uh time slipping is like kind of this like terrible thing to look at and they make a joke about it but it is like truly horrifying to watch him time slip and i think like with the added pressure of like he needs to prune himself I, I think there's like this tension and there's this horror of this unknown and what was going on and especially since October just started I was like I'm really liking the spooky vibes coming from this episode no I like that perspective on it and I completely agree I like jotted down on my notes that this doesn't even feel like the first episode of uh of a show it felt like a continuation of the finale from season one. Like the stakes were still really high. Everything felt very like creepy and disturbing like the last finale did. Like it was a, just a continuation of that just in a different location. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't feel like we really had even time to get oriented to anything. It was just like one scary thing after another. So yeah, I do kind of, I felt those horror vibes. I like that you pointed that out. Yeah, I think it was just so interesting on how they just kind of took it right where it left off and you're supposed to just like follow along. And I mean, I like that it starts off with Loki's perspective because we suddenly are like, we're also like terrified with him because we're like, what's going on? <laughs> Nobody recognizes him. And then, so that's what I mean also by time. I liked how it like shifted perspectives in time as well. And then we would have to kind of figure out what was past, what was present and what was future which I guess in a way it was all the same, <laughs> but it, I definitely really liked those aspects. I did too. And I specifically liked the scene with OB where Loki goes time slips back to the past. And that's how they get their answer for like the whole temporal loom in the future. I loved how that was like just playing out concurrently. And it was clear, like they would just do like a different, like a uh, camera shot. Like when it was like, ob young and then ob in like the present day or future and it was just like you know one was with glasses and then one was without glasses i thought that was like just a really easy way to tell 
the difference between time because at the beginning of the uh, episode when he's like time splitting and stuff, I wasn't really able to follow along quite as well just because, you know, I was like, I'm like, is he in the past? Is he in the future? Like that opening like sequence because we saw that at Destination D23 and it was like a nice chaotic opening a sequence but it was also just some like i'm like what are we like is it in is he in a different like like different universe tva even though we know that's like not really allowed but it's like it was just to me hard to follow but i liked that like later in the episode they were doing just kind of like different filmmaking techniques to make it sort of easier to follow because i feel like loki's the type of show if you're like uh looking down for too long or if you're dozing off or drifting off you're probably gonna get lost i feel like loki is a hundred percent attention span show you can't be doing anything else while watching loki yes i can attest to that because i was watching it while i was eating and my sister asked me a question and i answered it and i looked back and i was like wait what just happened and i had to rewind it i think three different times because I couldn't figure out like what had I like what I missed. That's awesome. And then when it comes to this show's main storyline, we obviously are picking up from where season one left off with He Who Remains and the sacred timeline collapses. Sylvie is basically on the run, and we'll get to Sylvie later because that's a big part of this episode. Um, but then really with Loki and Mobius and Obi. And uh, all the gang there at the TVA, they're dealing with the ramifications of he who remains slash Kang basically coming in and, you know, just destroying the timeline or resetting it in its own way. But to me, obviously, this isn't the fault of the low key creatives who made the show. But to me, I'm having a hard time buying this storyline now after uh, Quantumania. And due to the outside um, news, like in real life with Jonathan Majors, I just feel like it's tough to invest into the Kang stuff when it's so uncertain that we'll even get Kang Dynasty. Like I get this is the multiverse saga, but I, I don't know. I feel like this is something that is a unfortunate circumstance for the show, but at least I don't know. Maybe I'm just an anomaly when it comes to the Loki viewership, but to me, it's just kind of hard to buy in to he who remains slash king right now when it's just so uncertain if that will ever really pay off i think that's honestly fair because i feel like we saw that with fantastic beasts and how it played out with johnny depp because we were like supposed to be introduced to this new character and it's supposed to be that person takes on the rest of the story but because of outside events it kind of impacts the writing of the story so I agree with you. A lot of the time, even when I was watching the episode, I was kind of uncertain on how much they were going to continue. Obviously, this was shot, I think, way before. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not even really sure if they can change anything because of how the time schedules are. But I am like wondering if this might affect how like the big bad evil guy will be at the end of you know all the other movies they come out with so I, I agree with you I'm not really sure but I don't know I don't want to go into the ethics of um and uh, of you know actors for and sure yeah personal lives 
But I do, like, I do find it hard because I feel like it'd be easier to just keep him. But again, yeah, I don't, for really, sure, I don't really know the, no. the ethics. Those are questions I think. I say that, but I also believe that um, Disney has a very, like, is a very quick to cut off, like, a dying limb. They're like, oh, any sort of controversy. Yeah. I don't want to hear it and whatnot. And it's almost like it's been detrimental for them in a way because they do it so quickly. So I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It is one of those things that's up in there. It really is. And Savannah, what's your thoughts on just King's presence within Loki season two? It's like we all knew that was happening. Like it's like Victor Timely. That was like the Quantumania post credit scene. Like we knew it was happening. And then it was just unfortunate. Some of the news that came out um, in between some of these projects. And obviously we don't know the ramifications yet. We don't know everything that might happen. But like what's your thoughts on just the current like if we take away, you know, the external forces right now what's your thoughts just like on the current like king loki storyline yeah um yeah all throughout this episode while i loved it i could not help but think of quantum mania the entire time and it does kind of undercut the show and like you said it's not the show's fault um when i hear loki talk about how terrified he is if he who remains i like i believe him and in loki season one he who remains was terrifying but i didn't find as terrifying in Quantumania. So yeah, it's a it's a strange situation. Um this this series could possibly um make Kang kind of more of a threat in my mind, um, given what happens. I mean, I think we're gonna see uh, other variants of Kang possibly. And if we do, maybe other variants or versions will kind of restore my respect for that villain or uh, suggest things to come. So taking out what's going on in the real world, I do kind of have faith for the character, but it's it's it is hard though to separate from what's going on right now, um, in in reality. And I, I do think on that matter, I do think it could be an easy fix. You yeah. could cast because they are variants. Um, we've seen different Lokis. Some Lokis look just like Tom Hiddleston. Some do not. You know, it's you you could do it. But I think, and I don't, I'm not positive on this, but I'm pretty sure this is the only Disney Plus show that did not do any reshoots or pickups. Which that is, is true. Yep. Okay. I thought so, but I couldn't remember that exactly. Um, but of all shows that would need it, it would be this one. There's just, there's so many ironic elements to the story both in universe and outside the universe. Definitely. And the Quantumania stuff, I do think really undercuts it because Loki and Loki's selling it. He's like, he who remains is terrifying. And he's right. Like at that finale, he was terrifying. Like he was, he was joking about killing Avengers or like, you know, or like not killing Avengers, but you know, there was just like allusions to certain things like him just allowing certain things to happen like the time heist like you know he who remains was just such a threat and then king and quantumania gets beat beaten by hank pym's ant army i mean like it's just one of those things where it's really hard to separate that within the own like mcu uh fold but i do have some faith that like victor timely which 
we didn't get any allusions to in this episode. Maybe that will be something that happens next week. Um, I, I think Victor Timely will be a, more of a threat, and I'm very curious to see how that ties just really into the series, like how 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 they write them. Because I would like to see if we are going, if we're still going like full steam ahead with Kang. I really want to see how they write this character from here on out, because I I do think you know it might take a while to get that quantum mania you know aura like out of everyone's like head because i mean that that movie was hyped hyped to the gills and then it just didn't really deliver like it should have so yeah i i hope loki season two is like able to fit, figure it out from that standpoint because if it doesn't then i don't know if if this show will land it's a good point yeah it is true i do think a lot of the success of the show does depend on how they execute kang yeah it's a good point and then when it comes to the TVA like production design, we've all been talking about that. Is there anything like in particular that you really like about the TVA setting? Muska, do you have anything that you like about the TVA setting? I really like the aspect that it's gold. I think a lot of people I shouldn't say a lot, but I think in media, it's very common to associate gold with time. And there's also like these illusions of like, fate is a line, it's a golden string in Greek mythology. And I, I liked that about the TVA set design that it was very incorporated in gold. And it also seemed almost and this also works into the horror aspect of it it felt very foreboding (laughs) like the the lighting was set really well because i there's a bunch of elements i think add to horror but obviously the the score and the lighting and the set pieces i feel like really added to this episode and especially because in in the TVA universe, everything with especially with gold, I think looks very pleasing to the eye. So to make that look a little bit scarier, I think is pretty impressive and cool because of how they did it. There was also that moment where they're at the war room. And that I think is when I felt like the most like unsettled. And it's because of just how like dim dimly lit it is and it's gold yeah and it's just the everything looks like it should be like you know more bright but it's not and I think that's what kind of in like psychologically makes you be like this is really unsettling and then obviously um I'm not sure what the I forgot what the room was called but there's that bright flash of light uh in the episode and we it's right before or right after we see the red doors and i i'm really liking the color theory that's been going around with the set designs as well i think it's adding a lot of elements and i love when episodes and directors focus on details like that because i think it really does build the whole story together but that was essentially a very long rant about how i really like the set design savannah was there anything particular that you liked about the tva set design i loved it in season one so getting to see more of it of course in today's episode i love that um i like how uh 
like kind of 1970s, 80s kind of vibe you get, you know, it's kind of um, kind of like your local DMV, nothing's been updated in a while, has the, that, uh, the flickering lights, um, the color theory you were talking about, it's kind of like with the 70s thing, it's kind of like Nixonian, like it's a very like paranoia, um, dysfunction, government kind of bureaucracy. I, I kind of like you get all that historical kind of essence from that um, with the design. So, uh, and, and then again, getting to see more of that, getting to see there's more levels to it than we realized before. There's more different like rooms. Um, I'm excited to see this like automat with the green pie this season oh, at yeah. some point and what that's about. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've loved the TVA again since season one. I do feel like it's like its own thing, its own character, and probably some of the MCU's best world building we've got probably on Disney Plus. So it was definitely for, a highlight for me. For sure, for sure. I think it's one of their best world building things uh, they've done, and no wonder it's going to play a significant role within the multiverse saga and phases five and six of the MCU. And this is going to sound lame after both of your guys' great, like, amazing answers on the production design. But my favorite aspect of the production design is just the retro posters that they hang up, like, in the backgrounds with the cute cartoons or, like, the cute Kangs fighting each other. I mean, I just like – I don't know. I just like that whole Miss Minutes aesthetic where, you know, it's, like, just so – I don't even know how to explain it, Just, like, so cartoony, and I just really like it. I think – I wish they would just sell, like, a whole – TVA poster pack. That would be just so fun to get. I'd buy it. Yeah, I I agree. I think also it's like weird because it is retro, but in 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 a way feels timeless because of the bureaucracy. Because bureaucracy feels the same everywhere. And I like that aspect too. That we like we're supposed to feel like it's like nostalgic and it's like, you know, yeah. retro. But it's it feels the same or like feels similar, and I think that's a that's a oh, I didn't think about this, but I think that's a fun detail to add into something that's supposed to represent time, which you know feels the same to everyone. Yeah, I I think it's like that retro futurism. Yeah, like, that's a to, good yeah. To reference like another Disney property, it's like Tomorrowland at mm -hmm. Walt Disney World. They struggled to keep updating it so it just at one point disney is like you know what tomorrowland is the future that never was where it's like there was people flying on rockets like it's that idealized version of the future and i really feel like that shines through in the tva in some aspects not all but i do think you know it's like i bet there is a people mover inside the tva we just haven't seen it yet like it's just like just little stuff like that yeah no, I definitely see that. I do I I do want to ask because maybe this is something you guys already know, but do we think has there already been an established um answer to why he's named Ouroboros? Savannah, you want to take this one? I know what the name means. Yeah. And I know there are theories, but I haven't quite got my own just yet. It. you may have a theory zach or you may have heard something that i haven't you know i usually would have but i maybe it's just because of when we're recording the episode maybe i haven't done my 
low-key homework yet, but I actually don't really know. I don't really know if that's – I think it will be somewhat significant just because that was the episode title. You that's, know, and I yeah. didn't realize that until I started watching the episode. I'm like, whoa, this is the um, episode title. And I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. But no, I don't really have a theory on that right now. Do you have a theory on it, Muska? Do you have something like brewing in your head, like of what this could possibly mean? I do. Okay. So that's the thing. When I saw the episode title, I was like, Ouroboros. Okay. I know that. That's a huge thing in mythology. And then the episode happened. And I thought it was going to be like this thing where it's like more metaphorical, but I was like, oh no, there's an actual character named Ouroboros. And so then I like, kind of dismissed the thought but then after the episode ended I was looking up if I like understood the myth well and it's yeah it's like you know a snake eating itself and it just represents infinity and reoccurring things but someone was um there was like this thing that said that what is the irony of an Ouroboros and it was like it's the fact that um it's supposed to represent infinity but it is both past, present, and future because it is all one. And that's when I was like, okay, is the character supposed to represent the past, present, and future? Or Ooh. like the irony of it? Or the fact that it does? I don't know. Like, I think like after that, I was like, okay, like I feel like this character should be more symbolic then because they can't just name a character or Boris and then not elaborate. Or like, give something to do with that so that's why i'm like extremely curious now as to what's gonna play out and how like how much into philosophy are we gonna get in this show yeah it's <laughs> you know i i'm wondering that too I, I i'm assuming they will i know like the mobius the reason why he's named mobius and i think this comes like in the comics as well as like the mobius strip which is like this like time travel like in Endgame, Tony Stark, like how he figures out time travel, it's the Mobius strip where it's like almost looks like an infinity symbol. And he goes like, oh, I, I got it. Um, So like that's been like Mobius's name. But I do think Obi's name will have somewhat significance because I'm assuming Kihu Kwan will be in the next five episodes. I don't think he's going to be absent at all. I might be wrong with that, but he seems like he's going to be a player from here on out. And he's such a scene stealer that I hope he is um, in the next five episodes because it would just make the show, you know, keep up its entertainment levels. Yeah. I mean, they don't get an Oscar winner. <laughs> I forgot he's an Oscar winner. An yeah. Oscar winner on the show just to use him in one episode. That would be very wasteful. But yeah, no, I, I definitely think he's going to be relevant. But I'm wondering how much symbolism he's going to have. And I would love to hear if anyone had any theories about that. But I, I might have to ask the people who come on the pod next week, you know, see what they say, you know, because yeah. but then again, there might be more answers come next week. You know, we might That's actually get true. Yeah, we'll have to keep checking in on this, though. Um, it's it's a question that I want you to think about every <laughs> every week. I will. I will now. I'm going to put it <laughs> in the notes just because you asked me to. I'll keep it in the notes. Before our final two segments, I do have a bit of a game 
that I want us to like participate in. And I did this during the scroll season, uh, our secret invasion after show. And we did it and it was called scroll of the week where we would pick our favorite scroll. But now that we're in Loki, you know, that would make sense, like picking your favorite scroll. So I decided like, hey, let's do a variant of the week. But obviously this episode, I don't think included like too many like variants, like noticeable variants. So this week, I'm just thinking like, let's just name our MVP of the episode. So I just want to hear both of your picks on, oh, who, who stole episode one? Who's the MVP? Muska, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I want to say Ouroboros, Kekwekwan, but I think Tom Hiddleston did a really good job, too. Like, he really set the scene. I think I'm being blinded by my love for everything, everywhere, all at once. Not to say that he didn't do good this episode, but I want to give credit that I think, like, Tom Hiddleston did a, did a really good job at building the tension in the episode kei kwan i think was really entertaining so i'll i think those are my two yeah picks. it's a good those are both great picks and savannah what's your who's your mvp of the week i know i also already mentioned ob so i'm gonna go with owen wilson um just i mean he's he's fantastic and everything but uh I really enjoyed kind of the subtlety of his performance this time. Like he really wasn't trying to be um, in your face, but he was doing something in the background continuously. And he and Tom Hiddleston just picked up their rhythm perfectly. Um, I love watching those two go back and forth. Like that is such an art being able to um, have like an exchange like that is so fast and rapid fire. So um, yeah, I'll go with Owen Wilson's uh, Mobius. But I do want to call out um, Hunter B-15 in this episode. I just like, she wasn't like the standout per se, but I noticed her more and appreciated her character more in this episode than I did last season. And so I had to mention that because uh, I, I really enjoyed her this time around. I'm glad you mentioned her because I was going to mention her in my little MVP, like not as my MVP, but I really do think she took a leap from season one to season two where it's like season one i definitely think she was more of a supporting player where i think you know and that might still be the case in season two but i think there's like different levels different tiers of supporting players and i think she just leveled up a couple of tiers so i'm excited to see how her like story develops because she did a really nice job in this episode of portraying like kind of the horror in the chaos of realizing the TVA is fake. All of them have lives, but some of them don't care. Like some of them want to like still do protocol. Like like they're they're still kind of brainwashed by Kang. Um, but yeah, that was a really good call out. And then I, I do love it that you know you both picked you you were both like oh ob ob, and then you ended up going like Loki and Mobius. So I'm going to just pick ob then because I mean. I, I was going to pick them anyways. So I'm like, I think uh, Muska and Savannah, you just did me a solid. So it's like, I get to pick OB as my MVP of the week. Yeah. I definitely agree about Owen Wilson too, though. I like, me too. Yeah. I think the humor with him was very well done. Like, especially him writing skin on, <laughs> on the machine. And I just thought that was just, yeah, his humor was a lot more subtle, and I think I appreciate that as well. But 
honestly it wasn't until savannah mentioned it i was like oh yeah oh wilson did a great job this episode definitely he definitely uh carried it and i think just him and uh tom hiddleston just have such great chemistry and i think that really elevates the show yeah no their bromance is top tier and i think banter is very hard to do as well it is it is and uh, speaking of banter i think one of my favorite scenes in this episode didn't happen in this episode it was actually the mid-credit scene i want to talk about that because basically to just set the scene real quick sylvie ends up in a branch timeline in braxton oklahoma which i've now found out back in i don't know what year but in one of the marvel comics runs that's actually where new asgard is located i don't know if that's going to play into this at all or if this was just a conscious choice by the writers to just kind of be you know just do a nod but she ends up in a braxton oklahoma in the 80s and she walks into a mcdonald's and man the nostalgia rush like what a what a scene of that mcdonald's and even just the old school mcdonald's employees people just enjoying uh their meals and stuff and sylvie's just hilarious because she's just asking you know for food and then she hits the line of I want everything. And I'm like, same. That's me every time I go to McDonald's. Like, I want everything. Like, that's that's my so it's like I, I just absolutely loved that scene. And I would just love both of your thoughts on it. Yeah, I love the scene. I've been excited for this uh like McDonald's product placement they've been teasing for months, which is kind of strange because I mean, I don't really go to McDonald's much anymore. As a kid, of course you did, but like now. Loki's making me like I've been to McDonald's more the past month for like the Loki sauce and like all the commercials and things than I have in forever and it's it's like it's working on me but um but yeah I I like that we kind of got a tease of um how she got there because we know she was going to be there um and they're kind of setting this up I love the 80s-ness of it the nostalgia of it and um yeah I'm a I'm wondering just how much time we're going to spend there and how much we're going to get to see because I could watch just a whole show of Sylvie kind of you know discovering the 80s and working at McDonald's so I, I enjoyed it I thought it was a great way to kind of leave us on a bit of a high note could you imagine if McDonald's paid Marvel Studios for a special presentation of Sylvie just doing that at McDonald's like that would be probably some of the best marketing McDonald's can do and McDonald's has been doing some stellar marketing lately I'm a marketing nerd so it's like they've been like you know grimace like you know props to them but I mean I like now that you put that thought in my head Savannah I'm like oh my gosh a Sylvie special presentation where she's just in the 80s at McDonald's and just discovering other pop culture you know things that's easy easy money easy views right there uh don't know if it will happen in the current day now but that that would be awesome it was very cool i i feel like i have nothing else to add to <laughs> both those sentiments besides yes agreed i thought it was very very charming and definitely something to end on the high note i agree with Savannah. It definitely did and i think you know the last couple marvel shows really haven't hit with post-credit scenes so i really enjoyed that like this first one actually did like the first episode just did a mid-credit scene and you know we got one and it was it did what 
what these credit scenes are intended to do because they're either usually funny or they set something up. And Loki masterfully did this because this was funny and it did set something up because everyone probably if you're a Sylvie fan, you're probably watching this episode and going, where's Sylvie? Where's Sylvie? And then, you know, they deliver on that at the end. So I thought that was, you know, hat tip to them. You know, I think they're getting their groove back. You know, I think that I think this is going to be a fun one to watch weekly. And I think the time slot helps. Maybe I'm just glowing about it because of the time slot, you know, because it's Thursday nights. But with all that being said, our final segment here, I want to know the your predictions for next week. And I know that's probably tough because you know, this it could go anywhere. I mean, we're a show like Loki cra- travels across timelines. Really, the possibilities are endless. So, I mean, it's probably hard to come up with a prediction, but I feel like this is what this podcast is for. I want to hear some predictions. So I've been wrestling with this because, like you said, it really could go anywhere. And we got more in this first episode than I was expecting. Like, we've we've seen the footage of Mobius, like, going out in that spacesuit in like teasers and commercials. And I kind of thought that would be more towards the end of the season or maybe in the middle, but it all happened in episode one. So that kind of threw off my prediction going in on kind of how this would be paced out. Um, So I know they said that they're gonna be looking for Sylvie. So I'm gonna say that maybe we, we get that McDonald's episode for episode two. So we actually find her and, um, Loki reunites with her. I'm going to go with that. That's a pretty solid theory. I feel like I will, I always hate predicting what's going to happen because it feels like I'm trying to like get one step ahead of the writers when I am sure what they want is like for it to wash over you. But I do understand that the, um, the excitement of predicting is when you get it right. And I think I'm going to go for that. It's going to be in Sylvie's perspective. Next episode. I think we might, yeah, might get that switch because I'm trying to think of, again, yeah, we kind of get everything resolved by the end of this episode and not obviously every, everything, but just the central climax of this episode gets resolved at the end. So that kind of leaves like, okay, we have this one problem solved what other problem will arise and I think in order to pace it out they might switch perspectives a few times I don't know how many yeah I don't I don't know how many more they can do but I feel like we might get an episode where it's back in time to kind of like like a character that we are now introduced to but in a time where like they didn't know what was going on just to kind of get backstories so I think I'll go with that. Obviously, I might be terribly wrong, but no, I, I like that idea. idea. Yeah, I like that. That would be really cool. <laughs> thank yeah. you, thank you. <laughs> There's no wrong predictions here because my prediction is basically off the wall, off the walls, nuts. And I'm already, you know, people who listen to this for my theories are probably already. I'm setting them up for disappointment here, but I'm just going with. It's not going to happen, but I'm going to just say it anyways. I think Matthew McFadden's TVA agent will get introduced either next week or the week after because he's going to be in Deadpool 3. So I think he's going to cameo in Loki season two just for that reason. I don't know if the timeline even adds up because he might have gotten added to Deadpool 3 after this was shot. So my prediction might already be 
like shot. But I do think if they're going to live up to the promise of Deadpool 3, like connecting with the TVA, I would assume they would find a way to get some kind of reference to that in here. I don't know if they're going to pull it off, though. I might be setting up everyone listening to this for disappointment, but hey, I got to go with these crazy theories sometimes. And this is what this is what I'm feeling right now. You know, they would be pulling another pretty strong British actor if they did that into Loki. They'd be like, we got three now. Yeah. And he's he's set for Deadpool three. I don't know, though, if when he was announced for Deadpool three, if he was already kind of like filming stuff for Marvel or not. We never kind of know Yeah. that. I hope he did because I think it would be pretty cool. And also I do think it would be cool if they do have Mobius in Deadpool 3. I don't know. I just like the T if they're gonna really use the TVA, you kind of have to make it feel real. Um so I, I hope that happens. That but that's gonna be my big kind of like Mephisto slash Kang thing throughout this season is going to be Deadpool 3 chatter. That's going to be my gimmick. Uh, every week will be like the moment when Hunter B-15 goes, oh, we have to go after Wade Wilson. Like just like little stuff like that. I think that's going to be my uh, gimmick, really. Well, you're one zero, so. I am, you know, not. Yeah, I'm one in one. You know, it's like yeah, I, so Mephisto was wrong. <laughs> I, I think I'm two in one because I got King. I got Kingpin. Oh, but yeah. Actually, you know, you, you did get Kingpin. Yeah. So. So I've gotten a couple. I've been on a cold streak because Secret Invasion did not do anything I suggested. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm hoping, though, we get even in the smallest of teases. That would be cool. But I'm just such a Deadpool guy that it would be just awesome to see. I think that brings us to the end of talking about the low-key season two premiere. But before we hit the outro here... I just want to take the time and thank you both Muska and Savannah for coming on the pod. And where can everyone follow you for more like Marvel takes and commentary? You can find me on Twitter at Disney Park Savvy, also on the direct.com. And I'm usually covering Marvel and Star Wars and how they end up in the Disney parks. You can find me on Boardwalk Times as a columnist and on Twitter at Muska Lumi. And on Instagram at Booked by Moose. Awesome. And we are back for another season. Your support means the world. If you're listening to this pod and if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a few friends as it really helps us out. Multiverse of Marvel has more episodes on the way for 2023. We have some exciting bonus episodes in the works that include previews, rankings, drafts, deep dives, and more. We also have a special episode coming up for the Marvels. And for more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Boardwalk Times. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. 